0: If you have your Bibles with you this morning and you want to turn there, we'll be taking some scripture out of the gospel according to Luke in chapter 18. And uh, we'll start reading at about verse 9. And you know it's, it's of course not lost on me that uh, the upcoming holiday is Thanksgiving. Brother Sam had mentioned something that i uh, a conclusion that I'd come to years ago about Thanksgiving as a religious holiday. A lot of people would say I, I mean just their knee-jerk response is no it's not but it actually is I mean it, it is to me because I'm giving thanks to God uh, that the idea of talking about the pilgrims and I've always found this funny you know that they don't want God mentioned too awful much in school but yet when you talk about the pilgrims they were on a pilgrimage from religious persecution and they wanted to be able to worship Jehovah God as they saw fit and uh, it's kind of hard to separate one from the other. But in thinking about this upcoming holiday, it actually causes me to reflect on my first experience ever public, publicly speaking. I was four years old, and they were having a, a little program at the beginning of church service for the kids there uh, at the Wayne Church of God. You know, and they asked, us to, they asked us beforehand what we were most thankful for and i remember that you know the week before they'd ask us and everything and i said i was most thankful for my tricycle and uh i remember though after hearing some of the older kids and everything say what they were thankful for and it was a little more meaningful than a tricycle or anything that i kind of wanted to revise mine and uh you know they told me the the person there that was in charge told me said well you know you don't want to You don't want to change everything now. You know, just go with what you've got and everything. And I got up there and I imitated what I'd always seen adults do when they got up there. And they'd clear their throat. They'd do the, and so here's this little four-year-old cotton top little boy up there. Gets behind the pulpit and clears his throat and everything gets ready to speak. And when I did that, everybody started laughing. And I thought they were laughing at me. And I wasn't able to really say much more beyond that and everything. And started crying and went and sat down. And of course, I've come a long way public speaking in that regard. Uh, but I, anytime I think about uh, Thanksgiving, I find myself thinking about what we are most thankful for and the things that we're thankful for. Are they actually meaningful or are they just frivolous sorts of things? Uh, and here in Luke chapter 18, Jesus actually talks about a publican and a Pharisee uh, going up to the temple and both offering alms and both uh, essentially talking to God. And we find that the, uh, the Pharisee is doing everything textbook right. But in the end, Jesus tells them, tells the group of people that he's telling this parable to, he said that it was the tax collector that went home justified and not the Pharisee. And initially, it just doesn't make a sense just from a purely secular standpoint. That what we find is we find this man that has come and he said all the right things and all the right ways. He's paid all the right prices and he's done everything. And on the surface, he's better than the other man. But the problem comes in is what he is actually thanking God for. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, we'll thank God for things, or we'll become very thankful whenever everything in our life is going perfectly. But the time when thanksgiving is most important is when stuff is not going our way. When we're having bad days, and whenever it is that there's not an abundance, but we still find the ability to thank Him. I've often said, uh, uh, and and I realized this a few years ago when we had a close call in our home uh, uh, that it almost caught fire because of some electrical issues, uh, uh, that you figure out what's most important when a person's house is on fire. The most important thing, the things that they most first want to get out of there That's what they'll do. That if you find a mother who has an infant uh, and their house catches fire, uh, uh, she'll probably look to the infant because it's uh, the thing that's most precious to her. But think about it from the standpoint of thanksgiving. And thanksgiving is about an attitude. It's not so much just about paying lip service to God. It's about having an attitude of thankfulness to us. Uh, And I can tell you uh, that one of the most important things to have thankfulness for is salvation. Because without that, and without hope of Christ in the next life, uh, everything else is just pretty much pointless. Uh, The way I've heard some ministers put it, it's kind of like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Uh, You can do what you want to, but ultimately uh, it's going to come to naught uh, because the ship is going to sink. And here in Luke chapter 18, we'll start reading at verse 9, it says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others now the ones that he's talking about are the pharisees and the scribes you'll notice throughout the gospels that Jesus' biggest opponents in this world were the pharisees and the scribes they knew the right things to do but they didn't do the right things in the right way and for the right reason that's all about attitude you can go and you can give a lot of money, but if you do it only to be seen of men, that's not the right attitude. Uh, you can give thanks. Uh, you can pray every time you sit down to a meal uh, and bow your head, and if the only reason you do it is because you know that your preacher is sitting just a row or two away, uh, or, or because that you want to be seen of men, or just out of sheer habit, you're probably not doing it for the right reason. That everything starts with attitude. Our attitude toward coming to church. Our attitude toward reading the Word of God. Our attitude toward our prayer time. All of that is so important that if we only do it just because we're wanting to check it off on our list, there's something wrong. And Jesus was talking about these same types of people. They believed they were righteous, but they despised other people. Where is that a problem? Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If you're not merciful, you're not going to obtain mercy. And all of these things now Jesus begins to talk about in verse 10. He says, two men, two of them went up to, into the temple to pray. Both were going to pray. Both went to church. If you want to put it in uh, uh, terms more similar to us, that both of them went to church. One went for the right reason and the other went for the wrong one. And it says, the one a Pharisee. Now I can just imagine my, uh, uh, my overactive imagination conjures an image of uh, when Jesus begins to tell this, and the Pharisees that are present maybe straighten their ties a little bit. Yeah, a Pharisee, one of us, <laughs> a good guy, a guy worth knowing. And then he says, and the other a publican. I can imagine the sneers that they may say. Publican goes up to the temple. To pray? To, yeah. Publicans! Those vile Roman collaborators that go uh, and are government paid robbers. How dare he even mention them in our presence? And Jesus goes on, he says, And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. He stands up there and he gives thanks. Now you think about the kind of thanks that he's giving. He's saying, God, I'm glad I'm not like everybody else. I'm glad that I'm better than everybody else around. And God, here's why. I can tell you right now that there are going to be those that are going to try to stand before God at the last day and essentially say, Have you not seen my receipts, God? Have you not seen the money that I gave to charity? Have you not seen that I've read the Bible through in a year for 10 years straight leading up to my point of standing before you? And I never missed a church service. And have you seen what I put in the offering plate? Have you seen the things that I've done? They've got a plaque up in the church dedicated to me. Because of all the things that I've done in the church. And Jesus Himself said that there would be those that would come before Him and say, didn't we do all this stuff? And He said He'd look at Him and say, I never knew you. And the reason was was because Jesus said it in another place. He said that they do all of these things before men. To be seen of men. And He said they have their reward. They have the reward down here. I don't want a reward down here. I want a reward over on the other side. And the Pharisees, uh, when Jesus finishes this, I can imagine them saying, yeah, that's what I'd do. <laughs> uh, this guy, Jesus, maybe He ain't so bad after all. Or maybe they were on to Him at this point point. never said, uh-oh. He started out with the, the Pharisee. I can only imagine where He's going from here. I've always found it ponderous that people talk about What would Jesus do? That was really popular when I was in high school. Everybody running around with them WWJD bracelets on and stuff. Uh, uh, And they were all the time talking about that. And even in my state of mind, I was thinking like they even know what Jesus would do. Because most of them hadn't ever cracked a Bible. And they hadn't ever paid attention to anything to do with church. And yet they were sitting back saying, oh yeah, I know what Jesus would do. Pharisees thought they knew what he would do. They didn't fully know. But it goes on here and it says in verse 13, And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know what he did? He looked at the truth. He didn't clothe himself with a lie. And I can tell you, it's easy it's easy to get the wrong idea and the wrong opinion about ourselves. We're not to think uh, more highly of ourselves than we ought. You know, it's real easy. And I can tell you one of the biggest temptations uh, that ever comes my way uh, is for the devil to say, oh, well, you're a pastor. You aren't subject to these things like everybody else is. You can walk a finer line than everybody else. You know what my Bible tells me though whenever that I'm tempted in that, I say, you know what? The Lord said to flee from temptation. Not to walk right next to it. Maybe look over the line, but never actually cross it. Not to uh, spend my time thinking, now how close can I get to, to the fire without getting burned? Because I can tell you that you'll get burned. And sin never stays where you put it. And it doesn't stop. And that if we really, if we think of ourselves as we ought to, the only thing that we are, are sinners that are saved by grace. That's it. If we're thankful for anything, it should be the salvation that comes by Christ, not because we're so good. Have you ever noticed the most harsh words that Jesus ever had for anybody were the self-righteous? The self-righteous, they're the ones that look and they say, everybody's an idiot except for me. Everybody is foolish and unrighteous except for me. And yet if we really look in the mirror, And really look. And we clean that mirror up perfectly. A lot of times what we'll find is we won't find a perfect image staring back at us. We won't find a perfect reflection of Christ. Just the same as meekness. Meekness is not about running around and running yourself down. But it's about an attitude of knowing exactly where it is that you stand before Almighty God. Anybody that comes before the judgment seat of Almighty God. And my Bible says that all will come before the judgment seat. That doesn't mean that just because we've been blood bought that we're not going to be judged. What it says is that our deeds will come up, but they'll be weighed against the blood of Christ and we'll be found innocent because everything, all the sin will be blotted out by the blood of Christ. And this Pharisee, what was he trusting to? He said uh, in verse 11 there, it says, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. He's comparing himself to other men. You ever heard that one before? You ever seen people do that? I'm not as bad as that guy. I can tell you, if you've never heard people act like that, just go and volunteer at a middle school and sit in a classroom. Those kids, they're all about, well, I'm better than so-and-so. Or so-and-so did this, but I didn't. Or, uh, uh, you know, I'm higher up on the hierarchy than somebody else. And what was it that Jesus said? Didn't He say that if you want to be uh, great, you have to be servant of all? You have to have humility and meekness and all of these things, that uh, the example that He led. And yet these Pharisees, they're saying, we're good, we're the best, we're better than everybody else. And God, we demand that You acknowledge this. We don't make demands of God. When we give thanks, let's make sure that it's from a right attitude. That our attitude is, is that God, I know that I wouldn't have anything. Is there any aspect of our life that we really attribute to solely our own abilities and our own self? We may look at ourselves and say, well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, God has blessed me to have a good job, but I'm the one that goes out and works it. Yeah, but God's the one that gives you the life and the breath and the physical ability to swing your feet out of bed in the morning and go to that job and work it. You may say, well, yeah, but uh, uh, I'm the one that has managed my money and taken care of these things and done what I should do uh, and, and, and I've been a good steward before Almighty God and yet He's given you the wherewithal to be able to do that. I'm not taking choice out of the matter. We all have a choice. But what I'm saying is that we need to remember everything that we do that if it doesn't start with our thanks towards God, the one that we live and breathe and have our very being in, we've already started off on the wrong foot. Because this, this publican, what he was essentially looking at and saying, he was saying, I'm a sinner and without your mercy, God, nothing else really matters. Nothing else is even remotely important. All other concerns are secondary beyond the mercy of God. And yet out there in the world, what are people talking about? Brother Sam mentioned that about that one man who wrote the article and I hadn't seen it, but uh, I find that interesting that every single time a tragedy or something happens, people stand up and say, where was God? The way I see it, you can't ignore God and then whenever something bad happens, look around and say, where are we at on that one, God? You don't turn around and say, well now, God, you didn't take care of things when you should have taken care of it. First of all, who is it that ever looks at God and says, God, why are you doing this that he has to explain himself to them? Secondly, whenever tragedy happens and people talk about that in in the church and uh, uh, people talk about the Las Vegas shooting or the 9-11 towers uh, or Hurricane Katrina, all these things that have happened in the United States when you uh, don't have to go far on this planet to find a place where things far worse than that are happening. And nobody's asking where God is on that one. I can tell you though, the greatest tragedy that ever happened was when they took somebody that was as innocent as innocent could be and they drove nails through His hands and through His feet and hung Him on a cross and all of the sin of the world was heaped upon Him. All of the pedophiles, all of the rapists, every murder, every little white lie, every bald face blacker than night lie. Every bad thing that you can think of was hanged upon him. And he was innocent. He was more innocent than a newborn baby. And you know where God was at when that happened? He was there. And he was pouring out his wrath on his own son who was far more innocent than anybody else could ever hope to be. It's as I've said before, people look around and we find things to be more of a tragedy whenever it happens to somebody who is perceived to be innocent. That's why it's so bad we conjure in our minds. It's so bad if somebody does something bad to a kid or a baby because they're more innocent. And deep down, I believe it is that we think, well, if they're an adult, they may have done something to deserve that. Have they? Maybe, maybe not. But the truth of the matter is, is that nobody is outraged at what happened to Jesus. When He was far more innocent. Where was God when that man went into that church and shot it up? He was the same place He was when they nailed His Son to a cross. Where was God whenever Hurricane Katrina came in and all those people died? He was in the same place He was whenever they nailed Christ to the cross and pierced His Son in the same place. I am thankful though that we have a God who says the choice is yours? You know, a lot of people they rear back and they say, Well, why won't God do this and why won't God do that? God has left man to be able to choose to choose either to obey or to disobey. Because if a man doesn't have the option to disobey, then his obedience is nothing, it's worthless. I can tell you that in this book, just the same as one of the worst things that we could ever find ourselves being is unthankful or ungrateful to God for the things that we have, the very life in our own breast. You'll notice that this this publican, he was essentially saying, God, be merciful. Please don't kill me. Continue to give me life because I know that you give me life. This Pharisee, he never mentions anything. About being thankful to God for what God has given him. He just thanks God he's not like everybody else. And here's the word of caution I can give you about this. In this parable that Jesus tells. Be careful that you don't rear back and say I'm glad I'm not like that Pharisee. Because you just now became just like that Pharisee. When you do that. You should rather say God help me to be like the publican. Help me. Lord, to be humble and low before you and to know my spot. Because I know that if I do, I'll come away thankful. Do you know what one of the most thankless jobs on the face of this planet is? Parenthood. Because kids grow up expecting things that are gifts given to them. And a lot of times they don't even realize what their parents did for them until they themselves become parents. I can tell you, I didn't. I imagine my kids won't. I mean, you have an inkling, I'm sure, because as a teenager, don't you know everything? You find out a little later, you don't know everything, but when you're a teenager, you feel like, well, you know, I'm not one of those teenagers that thinks they know everything, but I know everything worth knowing. I know everything I really need to know. That's the way I was. But the truth of the matter is, is that when our attitude changes, is when we get a different perspective. And I've heard, I believe it was Chuck Swindoll referred to it this way. And, I, and I've tried this exercise and it works. He says, try to get the vertical perspective, the top down from heaven. And see how that interactions are and see how attitudes go. Look at it, try to look at it from the Father's perspective of things. And, I, and I've noticed it does. It changes your attitude about a great many things. Because we look at things, you know, and there's an old Chinese proverb that, that talks about, says that uh, a young man found a horse. They said, well, that's good. He says, well, the horse runs away. Well, that's bad. He says, well, the young man goes out and finds a horse and brings it back. Well, that's good. He says, well, while he's trying to break the horse, it falls on him and breaks his leg. Well, that's bad. And they conscript a bunch of men into the military and there's a bad battle and everything. Uh, uh, and, and all the young men that got conscripted got killed. But the young man couldn't go because his leg was broke. Well, that's good. And you see how the circumstances change just based on our small snippet of perception. But if we get the vertical perspective or the perspective of God and we try to look at it, and I'm saying it's not easy. We see that all those things work together for good. Good. To those that are called according to His purpose. So when something bad happens to us, let's be thankful. We may not be thankful for the thing that happened. But be thankful to God. that God, you're still in control. I know that you've still got things in hand. When something good happens, yes, praise Him and thank Him. But be willing to praise Him and thank Him even when things aren't going well. You know, I'm not saying that we should ever discount Thanksgiving as a holiday But if that's the only day out of the rest of the year that we're thankful, man, we are really shortchanging God and ourselves. And I don't want to be found being that way. Every prayer should start with thanksgiving. When Jesus fed the 5,000, you know what He did before He ever began to break the bread? It said that He looked up to heaven and He gave thanks. And Jesus told them, Jesus, any of those miracles that He'd done, He basically told them, He said, it's just a parlor trick. That's nothing compared to what He did on Calvary. But He still gave thanks to God. He looked, at, uh, looked to heaven at one point and said, God, I thank You that You've revealed these things uh, uh, to the babes, uh, and You've withheld it from the wise and the prudent. Jesus gave thanks often. Prayed often. What can we do? Give thanks. You may say, for what, Brother Jeremiah? I don't know, that's up to you. That's between you and God. But everything that you do, every step you take, everywhere you go, we need to keep in the front of our minds, God, I thank you. Thank you for that next breath and the one after that and so on. Because if we don't, we might find we have a bad attitude toward God and we might fall into the same category as this Pharisee of self-righteousness. A lack of thankfulness is almost always a telltale sign of self-righteousness. Let's all stand and get a song.